Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. Three years ago, in a book entitled The Flying Saucers Are Real, I reported the results of my first investigation into this worldwide mystery. At that time, I stated my belief that the U.S. Air Force knew the answer and was hiding it from the public. Since July 1952 and a new investigation in the saucers, I have been privileged to cooperate with the U.S. Air Force. Because of my present understanding of their very serious problem and certain dangers inherent to the situation, I have been given information unknown to most Americans. That's an excerpt from Flying Saucers from Outer Space by Major Donald E. Kehoe, uh, U.S. Marine Corps retired. And today I have, again, Dr. Bill joining me. Welcome, Bill. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? It looks like, uh, you know, we did this. This is our second time doing this, and uh, hopefully this time it'll work. But uh, it was nice chatting with you for an hour last week anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually... I'm actually just I'm looking for the book right now, which I can't find. <laughs> oh damn it! You're not ready. Well, so, I'm so, sort of ready. I'm sort of ready, but the uh, it's it's funny because it's like the book was right here. Yeah. So then. Yeah. yeah keep, so it's, keep going. So anyway, Keo, this is Keo's. Right. Uh, this, Bill, this is Keo's second book, right? He did uh, Flying Saucers. Uh, are re UFOs are real or flying saucers are real was his first Fly, book, right? flying saucers flying saucers are real yeah, so and tell, uh, tell us a little bit about how the how this is uh, what he's still with true magazine right yeah he's still with true magazine and I uh, this book is like two years later and it's uh, continuing the flying saucer story because in the first book he was reporting on uh, in 1949, there was a ton of flying saucer um, reports, and that's I think at the same time as when the Air Force started investigating flying saucers. Yeah, and and so uh, this other guy wrote a book, Scully, which you just picked up, called uh, "Behind the Flying Saucers," which is sort of an iffy book on UFOs. But I think because that was so popular and did so well that uh, Kehoe and True Magazine are like, there's something to the story and people are really interested in it. So let's let's work on it. Right. So right. Tr True apparently brought Kehoe in to, um, to work on this uh, because of his contacts with the military as a former um, pilot. He was actually, I just saw a thing recently in another um, magazine because true came out with a true report on flying saucers in like 1966 and apparently kehoe was a balloon pilot along with a uh, airline pilot or uh, not an airline pilot but a uh, uh, aircraft pilot airplane pilot hang on just a sec i didn't know that um, yeah interesting so yeah, yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting because I was thinking if he, um, you know, they have all these pilots saying, or the Air Force is saying, no, they, they were seeing weather balloons. Well, here's Kehoe, who actually trained with balloons in the 20s when he was uh, uh, in the Marine Corps Air Corps, beginning of the Air Corps. So I think he knows, uh, he knows, he knows what a balloon looks like. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, they so in this book they report it looks like various um, 
various items that they've observed um, beyond what they reported in the uh, original book. Uh, and some are also the same. Um, like behind the scenes, uh, Laredo, Texas, blue lighted object conflict with F-51. Um, and in January 9th, 1953, a B-29 in Santa Ana, a V formation of uh, blue lights. And then October 29th, 1952, white, highly maneuverable craft. I mean, it just um, goes on. So what was he doing in the book? Is he, um, what, what was he, is he just reporting in the book what his observations from his experiences and uh, his interviews with uh, True? Well, <clears throat> yeah, well, what he's doing is that he goes to the Pentagon and he gets, he goes to the press office and he asked for the um, ATI, excuse me, ATIC reports, which is the Air Technical Intelligence Center reports on these, in, these sightings. And um, since one of the things that, that he emphasizes is that the people that he's talking to are very reliable witnesses or the, the cases that he's pulling as reporting it are the ones with very re reliable witnesses with, with pilots and uh, air traffic controllers and airport personnel or even other people that, that um, the like Project Blue Book or at that time, whatever it was called, Project Grudge or something sign sign yeah they would um uh, interview people but they'd also look into their background to find out if they were reliable reliable witnesses and they weren't just doing this to get uh attention you know get press right. attention and you know right get paid paid for interviews or or things like that so all the cases that he reports and I, he's done this i this i was reading this uh you know True's Flying Saucer Report from 1966, which is a you know a book length thing, and they um, I mean, he this is the thing that he emphasizes, and he goes into more and more detail on these these sightings, and he pushes the um, the reliability of the witnesses. So this also ties in with um, Heineck, uh, yeah. Professor Heineck, yeah, and he was <clears throat> excuse me. And Heineck actually, there was a quote in here, which I probably can't, I didn't mark it, so I can't find it, but I can summarize it. The quote was, um, Heineck was saying that the, the a quote from Heineck said the, the, the witnesses are, uh, he said they were very reliable, they're intelligent, two very intelligent people were seeing these things. And one of the articles in this other thing that I read, which I'm, get, I'm getting off topic from the book, yeah, that's fine. But one, but the uh, one of the articles was by a guy named um, Jacques Vallee. Uh, Jacques Vallee is the uh, the. Did you you saw Close Encounter? We've all seen Close Encounter. Yes. Okay, the French guy at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. He's based on Jacques Vallee, and Jacques Vallee um, also, I think, in the documentary where um, they have the guy at Stanford. Oh, what's his name? That'll come to me in a minute. But the guy at Stanford, I actually I remember him when I was there. <clears throat> he uh, he was new. He was a new wonder kid when I was there. And he uh, 
he I think Jacques in the documentary on UFOs, Jacques Vallée goes to his lab with like samples that they've uh, people say they found at USO UFO um, crash sites for yeah. analysis. And I didn't I just looked him up recently because I also just uh, he he's written a series of books, although he gets off onto he goes from UFOs to um, strange sighting. as potentially intradimensional devices or yeah. uh, machines or whatever. But he also, this Valley guy wrote a book, uh, which is excerpted, 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 excerpted in this, in this magazine uh, about historical sightings. And some of the historical sightings are real fascinating, <clears throat> but he went to, uh, uh, he's also apparently this Jacques Vallée. I thought he was just like some UFO guy, but apparently he's an extremely successful venture capitalist that was involved in the development of the internet and communication stuff and all these things. So oh, wow. he's like a yeah. He's apparently he's a big wheel in Silicon Valley. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, That's I didn't either. I just yeah, I, I I you know it's real interesting. But there was something else. Oh, and the other thing that I saw. I was reading yesterday in this magazine is they were saying that the uh, uh, so Kehoe started this center called NICAP, which is to investigate UFOs. Right. And uh, uh, let me see if I can find the name of it. Oh, they have it in here. Mike Major Kehoe. Oh, uh, UFO investigate national investigate uh, director of the national. Investigation Committee of Aerial Phenomena in Washington, which I don't know if is still in existence. But he uh, he's saying in this magazine that because of the reluctance of people to report sightings, especially people in professional positions, because of what he says is a campaign by the Air Force to discredit people that that see UFOs. Right that uh so his organization people will come forward and make reports whereas they wouldn't make reports or they made report official reports which he says are are concealed and then they'll also send a, a report to his organization which like i said i don't i haven't looked to see if it's still in still in existence huh. so but that also comes back to this book where um he was talking about um, this interview, or they did a big press conference. Did you did you watch that movie? Yeah, the one with told... the black and white one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I did. And they had they had at the in part of it or at the very end they had the general and that was newsreel footage from this um, Air Force press conference. Oh no way! Wow. Yeah, and it's just it's just a few minutes after the 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 press conference. So the, the movie, which was UFOs, um, what was it called? I'm not seeing it in my notes. UFOs, the, the real story of UFOs or something, 1957, 57. it's on, it's on yeah. YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's actually, I, I was really shocked to see that it's, it's uh pretty good. Did you, what'd you think of the interviews of the guys? No, of the two guys fucking wild you know it, it's interesting you know that they 
that this was out and nobody was this public or where was this shown in 57 do you know Did i have no like, idea i, I have mean, no idea i didn't even, I, I didn't even know this thing existed until i was uh i didn't even know how i found it i think i was just doing a search and i'm like what what is this and then i watched it and it had those guys that shot those movies of the ufos yeah and these those movies are mentioned in this book flying saucers from outer space and they wouldn't release the the there was two movies there was the one movie with just the two objects moving across the screen and then there was the other movie with a bunch of objects sort of moving around randomly except for right. the one yeah the footage i mean yeah we, i know it wasn't faked but it's you know the quality for the time you know well this the second one's supposed to be on color film, which you can't see from the black and white movie. But like they said, and, and that was the, the second one. They wouldn't, um, Kehoe was trying to get a look at it and get it uh, released to look at him. And they didn't, at that point, they didn't let him see it. Yeah. And the first one, they had actually, uh, in the book, had discredited, discredited it and said that it was um, reflections from the water tower. Which, when you look at the, you look at the film, the objects move behind the water tower. So, if it was a reflection from the water tower that's in the foreground when he filmed it, the the reflections would have moved in front of the water tower. So, I don't know why they said that that was, um, you know, reflections from the water tower. Well, they but the guys are they just have huh? to say they have to say something, you know, to discredit the whole thing. That's their that's what that was the gig back then. That's not well, fair. yeah. Not real. Yeah. Oh, there's one of the other things that that happened from uh, looking at this old true report, and uh, actually, it's just, this is sort of funny, and it's about. It made me thinking about the UFO pictures because they have tons of UFO pictures in here, and they're the UFO pictures are always really crappy, or most of them, when you see them. Yeah. Which, which had me thinking about uh, trying to take pictures of flying objects. And I've been thinking about it because, you know, everybody has a phone now. And I've been thinking, well, you know, when I'm outside with my phone and a plane flies over or something, I'm going to try and take a picture of it because I want to see what it looks like and, and what sort of resolution and, and things like that are. Because I think that um, taking, taking a picture of an object in the sky is really difficult. Yeah. And which is one of the reasons that these these pictures are so um, crappy. But there's a great thing in here. I'm pulling it up. I'm looking it up. That uh, there was a guy, an Italian guy, took a picture. Him and his wife were hiking on a um, glacier in Italy, probably northern Italy. And... Um, they saw they said that they saw a, a ufo land and he had a camera with him a decent camera with him i'm trying to look it up i've heard and, of that story uh, and it's like yeah, so what happened he didn't get well he took I, you can see the pictures online you wife the deck and then they um uh took a series of pictures of this ufo and it looks like ufo it looks like the a guy in a clunky space suit or like a toy robot or something and a flying saucer. Yeah. So he took, took these pictures and they're really good pictures. And then he, um, he, he took them to had them developed or, or they got developed 
and um, told people about it. And then he sold the pictures to a magazine. And, uh, oh, yeah, here it is. It's uh, Maguzi. What does he say? Oh, oh, it goes all the way back to page 11. So he's, uh, I want to give his full, because if you, you can always look up his pictures and they're online. Uh, oh yeah, here he is. His name is, well, they wrote a lot about this guy. Gian Petro Monguzzi and his wife <laughs> were mountain climbing in Northern Italy and they were struggling up the Churchian Glacier and they saw this, uh, you know, UFO and they hit the deck and he had a good camera with him. He took pictures and it's really, you look at the pictures, they're really clear pictures. Right. So he told people about it and then he sold the pictures to a magazine. The magazine didn't tell him they were going to do this. So the magazine published the uh, they, magazine told him they were going to publish the pictures, but they published the pictures and they captioned them as fake UFO pictures. Oh, with his name? The guy, with his name. Oh, the guy nice. got fired. His uh, boss, yeah. uh, his boss fired him, and he said he was he was unemployed for a year and a half after that. Yeah, that's nice. So there's this this thing about UFO pictures. Either I, it's the UFO picture paradox. If they're really good pictures, everybody says they're fake. So you have really good pictures, or you have these really sort of fuzzy pictures with. You know, yeah. So you sort of you lose either way. If you t have a picture, it's either going to be real fuzzy, and they're going to go, "Oh, it's fuzzy and it's fake," or it's going to be really good, and they're going to say, "Oh, it's definitely fake." Yeah. So you can't win. Yeah. You can't it, win. I know there's that one that looks like a upside down crock pot. It's really fuzzy. That was like a real famous one. Yeah. yeah and, I, and, and, <laughs> remember that one? That was like the yeah. one I remember as a kid. Holy crap! That thing. Oh, I, yeah, that's <laughs> real. That's the, I, I think that's the picture on the cover of this magazine looking at. Yeah. So, the, so hey, I got a couple of questions. You said um, you sent a, a text that said that one of your, your podcast was a big download in China? No, it's uh, India. India. Oh, okay. I thought, all right. India, to... India has almost, well, we're listening to in, uh, well, you heard our my spiel in uh, Robert's podcast where yeah, we yeah. listen to it. 38 countries, 41 U.S. states, and 114 U.S. cities. But India is, and it's climbing. It's going to exceed the amount of U.S. downloads. And I've, um, and I've heard that, you know, we love India, but I heard, I've heard that there's a lot of public transportation. They just, I, I mean, yeah, you know. But I People. listen to, that's all I listen to is podcasts in my in my truck when I'm driving. And I mean, you know, I was well, like, everybody, go ahead. everybody has to commute. So everybody wants yeah. to, is listening to some, something. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious, but I guess there's a lot more concentration maybe of, uh, of, uh, people over there that are, you know, on trains and maybe it's more popular over there due to that. I, I, I've asked, and pleaded that they would contact us on um, gmail.com and just say, this is what we like. This is what we want to hear. This is what, you know, maybe there's something we don't like. We know, you know, I'm open to anything. But, yeah, you're right. It's India. And Robert's, the, uh, in Robert's podcast, uh, Armageddon Dance Party, he's got, he's just France. 
lot of French people like that one. And I don't, um, and he hasn't figured that one out yet either because he hasn't had any communication with anyone from over there. So, huh. I mean, they can email. I mean, I know you can email internationally. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's not. You know, so I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know if somebody thinks I'm going to make fun of them or something. I mean, I'm, I won't no, give people, it, you know? people yeah. are busy. People yeah, are just busy. Then I'm not, I'll listen to you. I just don't want to talk to you. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as long as you're listening, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm just curious. I'm not concerned about it. I'm well, just curious. Well, maybe, um, maybe, maybe there's, now, is it a particular episode? Or is there sort of no, a general thing? It's that... all over the board. Because I get the analytics. It's all over the board. And it's all over India. It's not like, huh. um, it's not like it's. Um, I could almost bring it up. Uh, like one, look. like not like one. Don't don't touch anything. Don't. No, I'm the... not. I'm on my <laughs> tablet. I'm on my tablet. I'm scared now. I don't okay. want to touch right. anything. Um, because I can go to this. They have states, and then it's fifty-three of their states. Uh huh. And, and seven hundred eleven downloads. Wow! And wow! Whereas in you know the U.S. I told you that but they're, we're at seven sixty five and they're they're rapidly and I mean rapidly overtaking the U.S. in downloads. It's huh. a, it's incredible. I mean it's it it's I I can't figure it out. Robert Robert's jealous because you know ours is much more popular than his podcast. But you know as I explained, we're a team. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's just don't, and he just, just started. Just, just don't mention. Just don't mention John. Yeah, we don't. No, we can't mention uh, my son Johnny. John, Johnny's no, here. You, Johnny's here right now too. By the way, he's uh, in the room with you. No, he's downstairs putting a new seat cover for his motorcycle he just bought. Oh, okay. So okay, he's, he's doing working, that. Yeah, doing he's stuff. working that. You know, his motocross. Oh, stuff. he's okay. Cool. He's got. He bought a new uh, Husqvarna 450 from his. Uh, with some money he got from the company. So, uh, you know, so he's happy. Good. You know, so everything's going, everything's going well. Yeah. It's, and Robert, you know, dirted me for, <laughs> I got to see that on know, his, on his stand up. Yeah. It was a two second thing. And he kind of like, you know, my dad, you know, my dad, my, is, my first of all, he, 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 he didn't mention my correct age, which we won't mention here, but the, yeah. uh, he did that. And then he said, you know, my, dad decided to do a new podcast and since he doesn't know shit about computers i have a yeah. podcast <laughs> well, it, it did get a lot of laughs so i'm not you know it did get a lot that's of a laughs. good it's a good joke that's a it good is, joke it is a really and he's up at c tech yeah he's up in seattle doing a, yep. a, i would mention the uh uh, anyway, he's, he gets like a couple minutes. Yeah, they draw numbers out of a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, yeah, I know how the the comedy clubs do as, yeah. as an up up and coming stand up comedian. Yeah. You go to the club, you say, "I want a, I want a gig," and so they do a random drawing or whatever, and you yeah. get a slot. And then you go up and you do your two minutes or three minutes of of material to work it. Yeah, and he. Um... That is a good joke, though. It, yeah, I had I laughed. I thought it was. Yeah, funny. I did too. He warned. He did warn me though. He said, "I'm gonna talk about this at some point on my stand-up." And I said, "You know what? I, you know, like you saw in 
you know, the his his podcast where I was on. I mean, we make fun of each other. You know, I said, you know, you're a really good trainer because when I have a Uh-oh. question as to what's going on here, you say, just look it up on Google. I, uh, yeah, you know yeah. Just work, Google it. At work, I have IT people. I just call them. I mean, aren't you my guy? Aren't you my IT guy? So, you know, just figure it out. You know, that's yeah. why we have problems like we had last week because we just figured it out. I don't know if it was – it was. Well, it, well, ho- hopefully, hopefully this will work. <laughs> I, saw, I, I told Dan, I said, yeah, he's probably not going to do this again if we talk for an hour and doesn't record. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I, well, if I can get that other computer for my son, um, I will do a uh, upgrade uh, on that. I think you, that I'll let you record it, and you can just email it to me, and I'll give it. To you. Uh, I, <laughs> if I can, I, I, I need to sit down and figure it out. If I can do that, I was actually I sat down and figure out uh, how I could sort of do like a backup recording on this this side, but um, I sort of looked around a little bit, and then I just gave up. But I. Um, I'll, yes. I'll look into that. I'll see what they. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. But I really want to get that other computer because I can do a nice upgrade on it, and I think it'll make a nice little setup here. And my uh, laptop, I, like I, I mentioned before, my laptop, I have an older operating system on it, and uh, I don't want to upgrade it because I use uh, I I use Mathematica on it, which is a you know mathematical program, and I'm using an older version. And if I upgrade my my uh, operating system. It won't work anymore, and it's a oh. pricey program. I don't. I don't want to buy a buy the pro, a new program, an updated version of the program just yet. I will eventually, but um, I'm going to be. I want to wait a little while, so I can't upgrade my operating system. But I can do it on the other computer, which is just sitting idle. But I have to. My son has uh, a bunch of music and uh, uh, videos that he's done and photos and all that stuff he needs to pull those off and he doesn't trust me to uh i guess see what he's done oh who knows well you know i offer just to to back it up and just give him the backup and he could pull the files but he just wants to do it so i'm sort of stuck until uh, the end of the school semester so yeah. oh anyway let's get back to uh ufos we we can talk about our yeah. personal lives yeah we can talk about our personal lives anytime so yeah, so there's all these various. He mentions all these the, to the book. Mentions yeah. all the various sightings, you know. And there was one here that said, um, I don't know which the colors were. It was like a blue. I've got it highlighted here, but it's got a blue, it... blue and white light. I was up at forty nine thousand feet, and I saw, you know, large object, blue and white. I don't know what what the colors were, but it was. It's the same colors that um actual aircraft use you know on their wings the, you know the wingtip lighting the oh yeah the, they the, they have little blue lights on the well they have a red and a red and a white or no red and blue uh, that blue light. was it are they red oh, and green it's red and green um, it's right here it's yeah. red and green and then Bo- the white boats is, are red and green uh well i think it's i think it's aircraft too though i was looking it up Okay, uh, but uh, green and uh, green and white, and then there's a green and white. I mean, you know, that's a plane, or it, now it, it's either a plane, or um, it's either a plane or um, it's a ship from the future that uses clearance <laughs> lights. 
that because we haven't changed our and that's what I've always said. If you see a UFO with light, why would a UFO have lights on it anyway? Oh, navigation lights. Why would yeah. they have navigation why, lights? Why, or any kind of light. I mean, other than the propulsion, you know, the big, the 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 circular propulsion um, light. That, like, it has like a blue, blurry light on the bottom, which they say is, has something to do with the propulsion of the uh, UFO itself. Yeah, that was, um, they talked about that in the, uh, in the book, when he was talking to the Canadian guy, yeah, the uh, I'm pulling that up because I I'm glad I, I I don't know what I did with the book. You know, I have a you know I have a stack of UFO books now. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. I can I can tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the titles and tell you the titles. Here's a stack of books I got. Well, I have an old one that I've had forever, which was uh, written by Carl Sagan and um, some Russian guy, which I can't read the name from here, but it's Intelligent Life in the Universe, which is pretty cool. We should talk about that. I got The Edge of Reality by um, Hynek and Valley, who uh, uh, what's, is that Silicon Valley guy. I got oh, Aliens yeah. from Space, which I'm not sure who wrote that. I got Flying Saucers uh, Top Secret by Kehoe. I got Flying Saucers Confidential, which you just bought a copy of, I know. Yeah, it's on its way. Yeah, yeah. I haven't looked at really looked at that one, and I, hopefully that one won't fall apart on you. Uh, I got the UFO experience, a scientific inquiry. I got unbroken promises, uh, which we talked about. We need to read. We should talk, talk about that again. Yeah, that's the, the Gulf, book. I think Gulf Breeze Six, right? Um, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. Um, I sent you a copy of that, and I'm gonna. I think we'll. I think that reading that versus just going through all the um, um, well, there were reports no, online. There were, yeah, there were no answers to it. There were, I mean, this is no, probably, the, you know, we need to know the inside. So all, the, all we saw was, all we saw was, you know, every, all these different reporting things that really didn't give us an inside story of what was going on. It was all from exterior, you know, even the guy, oh, that, yeah. even yeah. the guy that knew Anyway, we should stick to that when we get well, going. Yeah, yeah, we'll go through the book and then we'll actually be able to sort of do a more of an analysis. But coming uh, part of the things in that book is like uh, one of the things that I learned from it, along with some of the other material that the person that I bought it from sent me, is that there's these people that do um, channeling or communication. They do like psychic communication with space aliens, oh. which comes back. Which comes back to sort of like the spiritualism at the beginning of the um, 20th century, which was a big deal where people would have seances and stuff. I think that's sort of the modern or at least 80s and 90s sort of or 70s, maybe modern equivalent to that spiritualism. Oh, they also had uh, it was like the uh, past life stuff. Remember that was big? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, anyway. And I, I, uh, more of the books that I picked up is Flying Saucers from Outer Space. I got The World of Flying Saucer. Why'd I got that one? I got Report on Unidentified Flying Objects. I got Behind the uh, Flying Saucers. I have a book that I just pulled out of my library that I've been sitting around, which is uh, called Where is Everybody, which is about the Fermi Paradox, which uh, I've been thinking about a little bit because... Uh, uh, Enrico Fermi, who's a, a physicist at uh, University of Chicago, 
who also worked on the Manhattan Project, and I think he was the guy that was in, who built the first nuclear pile. They have a monument, um, which is a, a, a sculpture that looks like an atomic explosion. They call it the eyeball. Oh, no at way. The univer- yeah, at the university, at the location where they built the first atomic pile underneath the bleachers of the, uh, I don't know what field it was, uh, one of the play fields out there, like football or something. And um, so Fermi was there, and Fermi actually sat down with some people at one point, and, he, and they were talking about, I think, aliens and stuff. And Fermi's like, where are they? Yeah. And they were, they were like, uh, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you, cal- if you figure out the net, you know, you just take sort of a, even a slow speed, you take an intelligent species that, is traveling at a at a slow speed even between uh, suns. Uh, given the the age of the universe, alien intelligent life should be all over the place. Yeah. So, so the question is is either and people talk about this. There, the question is either we're unique. Although I want to go in greater depth on that, and that's something we can talk about in the future. Um, either we're unique, we're we're it which I think is highly improbable, improbable. Right. Um, or um, it's extremely rare to the point where uh, intelligent life hasn't spread out to the universe or they're already here. So, you know, take your pick. But it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting topic. And a lot of people have spent a lot of time thinking about what they call it the Fermi paradox because they should, they should already be here. Right. And uh, yeah. Well, and then I mean, there's the. We've got the planet that our environment, you know, is suitable for life. I mean, I've seen a, you know, I watched those things on history where they, the universe, you know, what, why isn't Mercury suitable for life? Well, there could be life based on whatever environment is there. They can stand the heat. You know, they could, that, that environment's yeah. suitable to them. You know, but they said that ah, probably highly unlikely because it's just it's ex- extreme. It's so hostile. It's just too yeah. hostile. You know, Mars, well, Mars, I think. What do you think about Mars? Were, was there human life or not human life? Was there any kind of life there before? Well, actually, I, I, I actually think that um, that's a yes, I do. I think there's probably once they they can look around a little better and the new perseverance um rover seems to be pretty slick uh, i think we will discover that there was life on mars because it's got um uh, has water apparently there's water plenty of water on mars right oh have you been have you been watching for all mankind yeah that the alternate alternate oh that's uh, so cool yeah that is it is very cool i mean it's, it's the what it's it's the what it's what should have happened yeah, yeah, and I don't know what I don't know what happened with our um, our sort of sort of drive for exploration and stuff. There's a you know I read this book on uh, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Yeah, an older biography. I don't know how old it is. It's like five or ten years ago, and the guy that wrote it had a great sentence in there which stuck with me, and um, he said. He goes, NASA, he goes, how could NASA take something so exciting and make it so boring? Yeah, I would have to agree with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I love that show because it's just like it's what it's what should have been, and there's no reason that it didn't things didn't come out that way. Um, but yeah, there's there's water on the moon uh, for years. There's there's some things that were um, so you know that I followed this stuff probably a little closer than you have. But they used to say for a long time, and I I think after the um, Apollo eleven, the moon landings. Uh, they were saying, well, you know, uh, water is very rare in the solar system. So there, that was like a, that was a thing that was, that, that they were throwing out. And the, the thing about water as came out in the, um, show for all mankind is with, um, water on the moon means you make your own fuel. So it right. means it's, it's, you can, you can almost make a self-sustaining, um, colony basically. And the same thing's true with Mars. The evidence of, I mean, there's good evidence of water on Mars, uh, but I think that there is, there has been past life on Mars. Uh, the old Viking lander, I think that was the one, I can't remember. Uh, they actually did a test which came up positive for life, and then they came up with alternative explanations for why that, that wasn't active, like uh, microbes on the surface of Mars. Yeah, I think that's one of the stories was that it was contaminate, <clears throat> contaminated by Earth, Earth. Well, that's, yeah, they had, they threw, so that was interesting. So they, they threw that out to no, that's, you know, they, they, they debunked. That's a big yeah. word these days. Yeah. They debunked it. But then a few years ago, um, other people were coming back and looking at the results and the tests and saying, well, you, well, you can't debunk it a hundred percent. Maybe this was a good indicator. So maybe we'll get, maybe we'll see something better with the perseverance, see something happen. So I don't know. I think uh, there may not be life on Mars right now. They will definitely find evidence of past life. They'll find something. And right. when I was when I was at uh, University of Chicago, there was a a new professor that came in, and he was uh, I can't remember. I ended up uh, I, w- I ended up helping him because he was new, and there was uh, some something crazy going on with the. Um, uh, ventilation in his lab and what he did is guys that for past fossilized life yeah so uh and that's how i ended up talking to him he was uh he was like um i I, he said oh yeah i work on uh i work on uh, meteorites and i said oh like the martian meteorite which was in the news big deal and he goes oh yeah that's exactly what i'm doing so and yeah, and then I, you know, I didn't really talk to him a lot, but you know, I talked to him at that. And then at one point, he was having a real serious issue with, which was critical for his lab, with some sort of ventilation problem. And I got pulled in to help with that. I think just because he needed an extra pair of hands. So, but yeah, really smart guy, really interesting stuff. And that stuff it falls in the same category as the uh, Viking data, where people looked at it and they said, "Oh, this is great. This, this is." definitely looks like what it is and then you have people to come in and say which is the way the scientific method works you got to look at all sides of the problem and and crit- critique it right so why do you think we want to colonize mars before we want to colonize the moon why do we why do we got to hit the home run because i mean I, wouldn't you want to do it a little would you want to practice a little closer to home yeah yeah i mean it's like i mean they're laying it out on that show they're laying it I mean, this is what 
Yeah. I mean, it's been awesome. It's been awesome that we've had a space station up there for I don't know how long at this point. But the problem is, is like the space station is boring as hell. Yeah. All you need, all you need, is a little boost from the space station. They could take, um, you know, they could modify the um, the Soyuz capsules, or even, you know, whatever. And all you need is a little boost. It'll get you to the uh, get you to the moon. I mean, there's no reason. There's yeah. no reason that we have not had uh, bases on the moon doing uh, research, at least. Well, and now the Chinese, the Chinese and the Russians have just signed a yeah. joint agreement for a moon base. Yeah, it's. I don't know what the. It's polit obviously political, but I mean, it stands to reason you would colonize there first for practice, so you can make all the mistakes close to Earth. Well, close Earth to yeah. Earth. You yeah. know, and and have risk. You know, being able to get back here if something happens, being able to get back or have medical facilities there, which wouldn't be that big of a stretch to take care of things, you know. So, yeah, I, I mean, and yeah. all you need, you need a you need a trained doctor and you need uh, equipment and they can cover a trained doctor can can deal with 90 uh, percent of any medical emergency that happened and anything else. It's only three days. It's a three day journey back. So if you're not in that bad a shape it's they can get you home now it was three days back in the apollo days right yeah when, yeah. when, when you think that elon could come up with something a little faster yeah yeah definitely maybe, i mean you know could maybe cut it to two i don't know but maybe you have to slow me i don't know it's like one of those things a, where you, you get you gotta go fast till halfway and then you now then you're just coasting for the rest of the way because you know you don't want to overtake yeah, the runway <laughs> Yeah, well, basically they boost. They just boost up to a certain speed, and then uh, yeah, uh, just like glides. And then you, yeah, and then you let <laughs> yeah. the moon. You then you have to boost down to let the moon's gravity catch you because you can't go too fast. Yeah, you're, so you skip off. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. A, you're more. You're a scientist. I'm. You know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not a, a physicist. Yeah. So right. anyway, yeah that that show. I've been watching that show, and that's really hitting me hard you look at that we grew up with this stuff and just look at this it's like what have we been doing yeah you know? it's it's depressing you know yeah. really, it's kind of like it's you know we wanted you and i, I know we've always talked about our you know known each other all our lives and it's kind of like we've always talked about space i couldn't go in a i mean i'm a little bit claustrophobic i couldn't stuff myself in that thing and you know it would have to be at least an airliner but no one else gonna be in that airliner three days i don't know you know, I, I know if I'm going across to, you know, the U.S. to fly, I, I can handle it. I'll be out in a few hours. But to be there <laughs> three days, I don't know if I can take it. You know, I'll stay. Have you, have you been to, to, like, Cape Canaveral or the Smithsonian and see the uh, Apollo I, capsule? I haven't. And Deb and I definitely are planning to go back there to do. I have to see. You know, I have to see the Air and Space Museum. You know, it's. Oh, it's. it's um, there's actually there's um, it's yeah the one in the one in the Smithsonian if they ever open up DC again I guess uh, it's closed for a while. Um, the yeah. Aerospace Museum is definitely worth visiting. Due to COVID. I mean I love you have to say yeah. due to COVID. Well, it's also due to uh, the, the uh, political situation. I think there's a big fence around DC now or something. Oh, where really? they have uh, oh nice yeah they got a fence around the Capitol and they got all these unarmed. Um, national, you can relate to this. Unarmed National Guard troops protecting the capital. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I actually liked it when with when uh, I was in that they they were actively afraid to give us ammunition. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like no, we don't want to arm you. Well, but uh, you've spent all this time training us to use this, but you won't give us any ammunition. Honestly, it's okay for you and me to have it, but for some of the people we knew, yeah, we probably don't want them to have live ammo. You know, yeah, they yeah, end up shooting. Them, probably end up shooting themselves. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, the Air and Space Museum is definitely worth going to. But if you've seen, um, you can also, uh, I went down when we first came out here to Florida, we went down to Cape Canaveral and we did a tour and they have a um, sort of an outside area and they have a, it's not really a space capsule, but it's a model that's the same size as the Apollo space capsule that you can climb into. Oh yeah, they, can, they close the door so I can freak out. No, there's no, there's no door on it. It's, it's like a kid's, it's literally, it's like a kid's play area. It's like for kids and stuff, but it's a life-size model of, of this. It's not really a kid's play area, but it's sort of like a jungle gym type thing, but it's, it's got the shell and it's got seats in it. Um, and you can climb in it and you can sit in, uh, basically a mock-up of the Apollo capsule. Those things are tiny. And if you if you go to the Smithsonian yeah. and you look on the inside, they're absolutely tiny. And it's like you watch these movies and stuff, and they look sort of roomy. They're not so so. If you're claustrophobic, pick. Uh, imagine spending a week uh, packed into this thing. Nah, ain't gonna happen. Uh, yeah, ain't it's gonna uh, stay here. you're gonna have to be good. For, you're good friends with your your um, co-pilots. Yeah, no, so, ain't, ain't gonna happen. So what let's, so, uh, oh, I, there's one other thing I wanted to mention, and then we should, we should talk about the book some more is, uh, in this flying saucer, uh, magazine, Kehoe has a couple articles in here and he was talking about stuff that's reported, reported. And, um, uh, I mean, it's, it's articles titled, uh, down, down, down with censorship. And here's, uh, I'm going to read this to you. You go, oh, I'm going to read uh, three paragraphs. This is the first three paragraphs of this article. It goes, I'm going to tell an eerie story labeled a rumor by the Air Force, which you haven't heard before. The fact that you haven't heard it, haven't been allowed to hear it, is as frightening as the story itself. On April 8, 1964, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration launched from Cape Kennedy the first two-man Gemini capsule, a crucial step in our effort to land an astronaut on the moon. The capsule went into its planned orbit around the Earth, and sensitive instruments began gathering data that would reveal flaws and point out possible improvements in the design. This first test flight was a great success. You read about it next morning in your paper. I wonder if this was manned. I'd have to look that up. But which, there was something you... Huh? Which one was it? Gemini? One? Gemini, April April 8th, 1964. Gemini. You to look it up? No, go ahead. We'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, but there was something you didn't read. The report was given to me confidentially by two scientists present at the test. The Gemini capsule was still in its first orbit when four spacecraft of unknown origin flew up to it. Oh, shit. While startled, 
Radar tra- while startled radar trackers watched their screens in open mouth amazement, the four took up positions around the capsule. Let, what's going on? Hello? Hello. What was that? I opened up my Safari and it started talking on this. I'm like, whoa. Let, let me tell you. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Hello, girls. Um, hey. I don't know. Um, I've been listening to that on the phone. I better. I was trying to look up the Gemini thing. I better leave that alone. <laughs> don't touch anything. <laughs> Remember last week. All right, so uh, the Gemini capsule was still in its first orbit when four spacecraft of unknown origin flew up to it. While startled radar trackers watched their screens in open-mouthed amazement, the four took up positions around the capsule, two above, one beneath, one aft. Whoever was inside those strange craft appeared to be inspecting the capsule minutely and with care. They drew close to the capsule and paced it for a full orbit of the Earth. Then apparently finished with their scrutiny, they pulled away and vanished into the unknown. So anyway, yeah, that's sort of interesting if it's if it's true. I think, but you know, um, Kehoe's pretty, he seems pretty straightforward. And he talked about another thing that I thought you like you know the uh, Mantell crash? Yeah, the the F fifty one. Yeah, Kiho, P fifty one. Kiho says that there was a second one where a uh, an aircraft interacted with the UFO and that the plane disappeared over Lake Superior. And the UFO. And the UFO, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I read that, and they uh, they were trying to get down to this thing, and it's like you can't. I was wondering why they couldn't get down. I think they found the plane, but they didn't find the UFO, or maybe they maybe the government did, and they pulled it out of there. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, they they think that the the crash, the plane, the the plane was sent in pursuit of this UFO, right? And the radar, the what he says in this, the radar images merged, and then the um, then disappeared. Yeah, they both felt the well. The story is they both fell into into Superior. Yeah, I yeah. Don't yeah, I don't really know. That was a weird one. It's, it's another opportunity for us to be able to actually put our hands, you know, the public, to put our hands on a UFO. This thing maddens me that, you know, well, I don't know if it maddens me. It's, it's like, why haven't, you know, with people everywhere, I mean, do we really have the ability to keep people quiet about this stuff to the extent that, you know, we can't put, just show us one. I, will people well, freak out now? You think people will freak out if they okay, they're real. Here's we here's one right here. Here's another one. We cap we found these. And here's some aliens. And you know, do you think people would freak out? Some people I, would, yeah. I, I, these days I don't know. I don't think so because so um I mean we've been presented with the idea of, of like aliens and space travel and all this stuff with all this like Star Wars and Star Trek and yeah, all these other other science fiction shows. So, but you know, it's interesting because it's that sort of like ties into like the Bob Lazar story. He says that uh, you know where the implication is is that all his like school records and his past have sort of been erased as punishment for coming out. Yeah, with this stuff. So, yeah, um, I mean, you know, the government could do whatever they want. I mean, I suppose I don't. I would hope that they. I, I understand, but back then, why they would do that. But in these days, it's kind of like, 
How do you keep people quiet? Nobody keeps quiet for nobody keeps quiet on anything anymore. These days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the old days where people are really scared of the government. Now it's like they they're not. And they, they probably should be, but they're not. They'll just say whatever. You know what I mean? Well, you know, the, the we've also sort of had this is this history of um you know people being um labeled as nutcases if they talk about ufos and and things like that and there's there's uh that uh kehoe in these newer articles that i was just reading uh a lot of people have just been disincentivized for um talking about it because it's like oh you're you're you know there's something wrong with you if you do that you're nut. yeah. Yeah. Well, he he talked about. Did you watch the Kehoe interview with Mike Wallace? No, I didn't see that one yet. Okay. I am going to. Though. Well, he's a yeah. It's not that long, but he's a yeah. You should check it out. But he talked about it because Mike Wallace sort of brings it up. I said, yeah, you know, so people say and they see UFOs are sort of nutty or something like or frauds, yeah. Yeah. and then um, Kehoe pushed back and says, you're, you're, you he goes, are you calling me a fraud? He goes, no, 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 I'm not calling you a fraud. But Kehoe, I mean, that's one of the things he constantly reinforces is the quality, reliability of the people that have done these um, sightings. And he just, it's pilots and pilots and more pilots and, and, and Air Force pilots and people with a lot of experience and people with a reputation of being honest. And um, coming Ke- back to it. Has Kehoe himself seen, did he see a UFO himself? Did no. I miss that? So no, he, really, he never, he never has. He never so, has. So he's kind of like us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's exactly like us, but coming back supposedly, and I don't know if this is, I haven't followed up on this, but it's what it says in the uh, Wikipedia article on Jacques, Jacques Vallée. It says that I say it with a French accent. Jacques nice. Vallée. Yeah, Jacques, Jacques Vallée. I know they you, say, um, huh? Yeah, I know you yeah. did French in high school. I know. Yeah, I took it took it a little bit. I've been actually I've been studying it again. Um, yeah, I took Spanish. I got a D. I can still count. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I think we were. Were we in the same class? We no, weren't in the I same. I had Spanish. You had French. No, I had Spanish in high school. I don't think oh, we had the same you? class. No, I French was in. I, I had, had French in seventh. What's that? I would have had you help me. I, mean, I really, I really struggled with it. Oh no, I, I, I was I. <laughs> I struggled. I struggled with it too. I had French in seventh grade. Um, Overachiever. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I remember nothing. I remember nothing. It's like with Spanish too. Spanish is a little better, but French, yeah. I, I know nothing. But I'm enjoying looking at it again. Um, but it's like in in the Kehoe book, the the flying saucers from outer space. They had that. Um, interview or not press conference at the pentagon right and then the the mage the new york times after the press conference the new york times headline was air force debunks saucers as just natural phenomenon right and then the washington post said saucer blips over capital laid to heat laid to heat what a great title um the uh and they're saying it's just like so the response to that is Kehoe had talked to a couple pilots after that, a couple of Air Force guys, and they're like, I'm or airline pilots. This is I'm never gonna report, report anything again. Yeah, they I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, it had a negative effect on pilots reporting UFOs. You know, yeah, they keep silent. That's that's something that's held true all the way to, I think until recently where they're encouraging 
Um, I don't know. They're encouraging uh, pilots to report now, uh, whatever it is. You know, you heard about the one where the airline pilot had the thing that flew over the top just recently within the last. Just recently, yeah, yeah. Flew a cylindrical object, flew right over the top of them. Yeah, yeah. But he said had fire coming out of the. Anytime I hear fire coming out of the back, I think missile. You know. Well, I've 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 been rethinking that because I've been looking at parts and different reports and stuff. And there's uh, one I just read with. Something landed on a highway in South Africa and then took off and it like melted the tarmac. Uh, some people said it was just somebody set the road fire, but uh, a road—I don't know—a a guy that's an expert on roads, whatever you call those, civil engineer looked at yeah. it and said a, a gas fire would not have um, not have caused this much damage. Yeah, but any so, air-breathing engine in an aircraft is probably going to be earthly, I would think, unless. You know, it just expends too much fuel. It's not efficient for that. You know, what I mean, they. Yeah, I can't believe aliens would be like, yeah, let's build an engine that uses, you know, nit- nitrogen or nitrogen, whatever that they use for or, uh, oxygen or methane yeah, is what. Yeah. What, um, so it's um, like, what you know, they've got all this technology, and it's like they want to screw around with fire. Yeah. You know, well, you know that you know. There's also the possibility that it's it's secret. Advanced technology. Sure. Uh, it's like, did you see the sightings about the uh, guy in the jetpack over LA? Yeah, he's approaching the air. There's a couple of them. There's he did yeah, twice. yeah, yeah. So Elon Musk, it's right by his factory. That's what yeah. Robert, Robert and I surmise is Elon just out for a ride. He's out t- checking out, testing the new equipment. All right, we're about hey. ready. We're going to have to wrap yep. it up. You ready? Okay. Uh, yeah. Thank, thank you for joining me. Um, Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to, and India, I'm talking to you, Podcast at gmail.com. Visit us at Facebook at The Alien Probe Podcast, our website at alienprobe.net, Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod. Find us on all major podcast networks. Thanks again to our senior producer, Robert Anthony. Until next time.